I'm Sarah Seven, and you are listening to Tornado Radio, where we're all safe and sound in the eye of the unstoppable Central Texas music storm. Today we are talking with Rodney Pyatt. He is one of those guys whom I would describe as a musician's musician. You hear that phrase occasionally, but that kind of person is not the most common sort of person you'll run across. But I define a musician's musician as the kind of guy that people who know music deeply will speak highly of, see the value in. The downside of being a musician's musician is they don't have quite the same name recognition. And the thing about Rodney Pyatt is, even though not so many people have heard his name, a lot of people have heard his music. A lot of his career has been making other people sound good. He's played some big names, and we'll talk a little bit about that. Here we are in Temple, Texas at Studio 2220, and Shanti Ann is going to interview Rodney Pyatt. I'm sitting on a bank of that riverside, like a muddy water. My days roll by. Suddenly I see before me, like a vision in the night. a mountain high Just like my
Welcome to Tornado Radio. Thank you, Rodney. thank you, and thanks, Sarah, for that awesome introduction. No problem. Today we are interviewing Rodney Pyatt, a gifted, gifted guitarist from Central Texas. Um, his career has spanned many decades, and he is also notable as the guitarist to the late Selena Quintanilla. How did you get started in the music industry, Rodney? Through the music that I was doing, which was, you know, when you start as a young person, what, what, one of the things that I experienced was um, my mom was kind of all about it. She taught me my first few chords and gave me the mentoring that it took to kind of get that confidence, you know, for the first couple of years. So that within the first couple of years of playing, I was singing and playing and performing in public. And then, but at a pretty early age, I started that. <laughs> but, you know, I really was a guy that was getting the call at 15. And by 16, I could drive on my own. Really, at 15, I kind of was able to drive. But like I said, that was one of those things where my dad was like, direct the car, just keep going, son. At 16, you know, I was a pretty worldly 16-year-old uh, and was playing with the Quintanillas and some people that we'll talk about, but uh, doing my own thing. And then also, uh, so, and then married and had a child by 17 before 18. And so, you know, I was that child. But when you look at, at one of the things that happened to me that really, really is a huge catalyst or foundation for how I became in the quote-unquote industry is I got a job working in a music store. I'm the guy with the mullet in the movie, you know, Wayne's World. That's pretty much my story. It's not an, a unique story other than the things that have happened to me outside of my control. Uh, in getting that job at Clyde's Music in Lake Jackson, Texas, it really defined a large swath of my path, you know, of just what I am. And uh, had some good, Abraham Quintanilla was a great mentor. Uh, and then uh, Clyde Pagoda was certainly my best mentor. So it's about that time, you know, mid-'70s, you know. That's when I started playing. And then by, you know, 77, I'm playing everywhere all the time. By by 80, I'm just playing everywhere, you know. So you were definitely a working musician. That's all I ever wanted to be. I mean, when I was 12, 13, I might have wanted to be a star, but then I realized... I don't know about that. I grew up about as a crow flies, two miles maybe from the largest, one of the largest chemical plants in the world, Plant B for Dow Chemical in Freeport, Texas. I grew up in Lake Jackson, but that other side, you know, it, it, and then I grew up five miles from the Gulf of Mexico. We were so unsupervised, you know. And I think that's cool now, you know, because we survived, you know. Anyway, does that even remotely answer your question? <laughs> okay. Yeah, that's good. Thanks. Uh, what are your? Who are your greatest musical in, input? Not in any particular hierarchical order, but uh, I'd say Buck Owens, Merle Haggard, Jeff Beck, David Gilmour, Eddie Van Halen, Steve Morse, ACDC, all the pop people from the 70s, all the country people that were connected to roots music until the pretty much like you know the 90s and then country <clears throat> strayed from roots heavily it changed it changed it was gonna change because in the 70s you already had progressive country willie nelson's a huge influence for me uh it was just a monster on guitar people people are like oh look what he's doing because you don't get what he's doing i'm sorry that's how i had to say it 
you don't really like what Willie's doing, that's fine. But if you've been playing 30 years and you don't like what Willie's doing, it's probably because you haven't, you don't get it. He's been playing 80 years. But that boy's bad. <laughs> He's just stupid badass. Like, no, my talent, you know. And everyone knows it's. Your friend told me you were lonely. Looking for a good time. She'll lead you on, she'll let you fall, boy. Don't leave your heart on the line. Keep your suitcase packed so you can roll on a dime. A traveling man might have to roll in any time. It drives me crazy. Describe your music, the music you make. I'd say all things 20th century, uh, modern, um, eclectic, and roots-based, song-oriented, story music. You know, it's just Americana. You know, because I write funk, I write heavy rock, I write, uh, you know, riff rock. I write uh, 
balance. I love balance. So, so I think those words will describe it. An eclectic. I also would say that I would describe my music as twangy, because even when I'm writing big giant poly chords and all these extended jazz chords, you're gonna hear the southern guy. Can't, can't, you know, I don't know. It's just because most of my influences were country until, until I got to about you know <clears throat> sixth grade. And I realized that the girls were listening to Raw. They were listening to Kiss. So, <laughs> okay, Emily likes Kiss. I got to find out who Kiss is. Sarah and Donna think that. Okay, Sarah, Sarah and, and Susan like Kiss. And they're the hot ones in the class. So I'm going to do what they do and try to be cool like them. And learn all these really two-note chords. I completely learn the whole record and then be like the guy. Because here's the thing. Here's what you got to know. I'm the, I'm seriously, I'm not joking. This is literal. I was the ADD poster child in special ed until they just dumped me into middle school with no math. And I was already reading Beowulf and Macbeth, you know. And all these kids are like, I'm the weird kid. I'm the weird kid. Everybody knows it. Not, not the nerd, the weird kid. And then, because the weird kid fights back, you know what I'm saying? But that's kind of how I, those were my influence. Kiss, I forgot about how big they were. They were huge. All the songwriters. And then in later years, you know, uh, because here's what happened to me. And we make, I think we said we kind of wanted to talk about that. The, 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 when I put out the Texas Beer Joint Tour, I became suddenly aware of a whole new world. There's a world of really great, successful musicians. Uh, now, the joke now is you don't go to Austin to start a career. You go to Austin to retire because, you know, Willie and all the musicians that were, you know, 30 years ago just banging it up. And that was kind of the end of all that rock and roll stuff for them because they were my age then, which puts them old now, <laughs> makes them older now, you know. You think maybe that Austin thing will just kind of... It can still happen, but it's oh, it's more outside happening. of Austin. It's still happening. I mean, it's a huge city. But I think if you want to do something in my industry, uh, the, the the market that I've been, that's what I was trying to get to, is that when I said I changed everything, that meant that I revamped my brand and what I was doing. I went from someone's guitar player to a singer-songwriter, and that's a whole other genre and different group of radio stations. The network changes everything. So if I hadn't had some of the jobs and experience that I'd had when I went into that, I wouldn't have had any leg up because I burned up a credit card trying to be a rock star on a single, and that's how it works. There are people who make it happen that have nothing to do with the creative process. Pay. You've got to pay to play. Labels don't go sign nobodies. They sign people that are almost somebody. But having said that, sometimes... And I've even used this argument to get gigs. Sometimes you have to give the underdog, you know, a little give hand. Give him a shot. Little, give him a shot. Yeah. Without a grassroots movement, what are you going to take to the next location? You know, you have to have people following. All that costs money and time. You can't monetize your popularity unless you have a grassroots following. Okay, so let's dig a little deeper into this whole grassroots audience uh, thing because yeah. obviously it's got to be real you can't make it but right. i organic yeah but i think what advice would you have 
in terms of connecting with an audience, finding the audience that will get what you're doing so there can be kind of an interaction. I'd suggest finding whatever social media you like and can reach the most people for and just stay at it. You know, you have... If you're going to be successful in the music business, you have to do all the things that it takes, and that means running an office, booking a band, writing contracts, learning material, picking material to learn, writing material, teaching the material to other people, putting, you know, sketch. think about I've already named eight or nine things, and I'm not even done. So just any way that you can get a grassroots. If it's 10, just cater to those 10, because that'll grow to 20.
inspired the song Runaway Train? Uh, a friend, a friend of mine that um, wasn't doing very well when it came to uh, certain substances, you know. It's about addiction. That's what the song's about. It was about a friend who was addicted. I have a song called Drink It Up that came out on Runaway Train. That song also is about addiction. So at that point in my life, you can see the theme that I'm talking to people more about addiction. The person that I wrote that song about heard it the day I played it first and came up to me and said, looked me in the eye and said, is that song about me? I said, no, silly. No, I wouldn't do that. <coughs> it was largely, largely, 99%. I was writing about a person. And the same thing with Drink It Up. I was writing about several people, most of which were pretty famous. Uh, and it brings a lot of people down. Like, alcohol wipes out a lot of people. Millions. Millions. Yeah. And and other drugs as well. And so it needs to be addressed. You know, I'm an addict. I, I have to address it. I have to talk about it. I have to... I have to understand it. Uh, if you're going to survive an ailment, you had better understand it, you know. If you had a common cold, you need to understand how to deal with it, you know. And if you have uh, an addiction, which is obviously worse, you know, you want to know how to deal with that. Um, of all the songs that you have written, which one would you say is your when you write that new batch of songs, that changes, you know. Uh, currently, the one that I think is the, the best written song I've ever written, um, or the best lyric that I've ever written, I believe, is Drink It Up. That was a gift. That was wow. dumped in my lap. Just came to me pretty much as one thing. Whereas uh, I wrote a song that um, not many people have heard called Home Ain't Where It Used To Be. And... Uh, that song's about my hometown, which, you know, it took me a long time to write the song because it's not a great place to write about. <laughs> you know, the story, they, the, the line, they say that a good writer borrows and a great writer steals. So I've definitely learned how to, you know, uh, I don't want to say plagiarize, but take people's ideas and make them my own, sound like they're my own, you know. Sarah's smiling because she does that too. <laughs> We all do. Yeah. We do. We take other yeah. people's ideas and we go, that was cool. How can I make that mine, you know? Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, guilty as charged. <laughs> all right, sure. What are your current projects? My biggest project is Studio 2220 and um, Central Texas Music Co-op. Um, it's so, you know, what are those two? They're separate. It's a co-op, which, uh, you know, Studio 2220 is a audio, professional audio and video facility, recording facility. And Central Texas Music, we, we have Twisted R, uh, Twisted R, No Fret, uh, No Fret Guitar Shop. We have the consignment shop. Um, but we're, 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 we're training young people. Um, I'm producing this one band uh, here at Studio 2220 um, that, you know, they're just some young guys that I, I they started coming in and, doing some bartering and buying and selling trading and <clears throat> we got hooked up with them. So I started talking to my partners about uh, the possibility of being executive producers for, for this band. And they're going to come in in January and do a record. Out of Waco, there's a project we're doing called the Eden Project, and that's a young lady who is uh, she's doing a CD, and the proceeds, I believe, are going to be more directed towards... Uh, supporting community art. I don't know that there's an actual 
well-known organization, but I believe that's what the Eden Project is. It's just a way to get money into the artist or to at least show uh, appreciation uh, for the for the arts there in Waco. So we're scheduling all that for the year, and so that's all those records, plus uh, John of May and the Mayflies. We have uh, some live events that we're scheduling. Uh, I also am starting a podcast. But that's You've got a lot on your plate. Yeah, a lot on my plate. That's going to be called the Sound Hole. That that um, you know, Sound Hole on the guitar. I wanted to get into skinning guitars, you know, where it's kind of like auto wrapping. It's the same principle, just do it to guitars. They call it skinning. And then I also was uh, experimenting with like, you know, Dutch pours where you mix these awesome kinds of paints and it's just beautiful. And then also this summer we're planning, and I hope this works. I don't know, but I'm planning to do a guitar camp so that it would be really more like we might just call it working musicians camp. Because that's kind of what the podcast is going to be. Uh, you know, I want to get the wife that has to be home. I want to get the grown kid who's proud of his dad, but he's freaking missing football games. But it's okay because he got to go to the ones on Saturday. You know, I want to talk to the, the, the drummers. I want to talk to the guy who sets the drums up. I want to talk to the people that drive the buses, to the people that buy the venue, the, the venue buyers. Uh, the, the booking agent. I want to talk to every, I want to show inside out comprehensive look at, uh, show a comprehensive look at the music industry from every angle, you know? Well, that, that is a good point because I mean, we all know this, that yeah, there's the face and the voice, but there are all these other people behind the scenes who are doing a lot of very much unappreciated not well understood work man you know who the heroes are of live music industry on, on that larger level on the touring level the lighting crew yeah the sound guys yeah they, they have, have to be in first they have to stay last and then they always beat you to the next city i don't know how that man how does that happen <laughs> these guys are having a 14 hour day think about it. you're gonna do a concert in august it's those people who are making the front people Look good, They're or amazing. if they fail, you know they look bad. Yeah, They're that's are some of the coolest people in the world. I mean, I've made so, so most of my friends on the road have been the crew. I'm serious. Um, I don't get along with musicians very well. <laughs> <laughs> Says the musician. Well, it's like ADD people. It's known that ADD people struggle around other ADD people. <laughs> like musicians struggle around musicians, you know. Seven Sundays on the road, living lean Cause a lot of folks quit before they make the scene If you turn back now, running from your dreams Seven Sundays Seven Sundays on the road, ain't really that long Unless you got a family waiting at home Cause it's hard on a woman You're out on the road She knows you're playing She's working Her fingers to the bone Seven Sundays I'll take the blessing With the curse I've no better men Than it works I'll buy this highway To the end If it don't kill me first I'll take the blessing 
Musicians are ADD, do you think? Uh, as bad as I am? I don't, I don't know, but about two or three, really. But uh, to have some ADD and some OCD and some LOL and some PDL and ADQPY or <laughs> PDF. LBGPQ or whoever, uh, I, think, I think most. I think the way that um, most – but I think it's relative because you say musician – and that doesn't necessarily make a creative person. You know, to say all people are creative is to say that all people have a high IQ. It's just not the case. So if you say that all musicians are creative, I don't know if I buy that. So the question is how many creative, or the question might be better understood if we said how many create highly creative people are ADD, and I'm going to say 99% of them. And the ones that aren't, 
typically bang it. Like you think? You, do you think that? Like I don't think Frank Zappa was a bit ADD. I think Eddie Van Halen's probably some fucking ADD. Can't see straight. You know what I'm saying? But it worked for him because he's in a creative world. But Frank Zappa, I don't think he was ADD. I think he was just one of those like my dad. Just like there's no OCD. There's no ADD. There's just the task at hand. And there are people like that. I just don't understand them. <laughs> and I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> so, you know, and that's the thing is that there, there are people that that creative thing works for them. And that's about all they could do. And then there are people who could do anything. But if you ask me about the typical musician, I think when you see, like, to be a star is not the same as being creative true i'll give you an example i'm not aware that george Strait. i'm sure he's written a few and i'm sure garth brooks has written a few songs and i'm sure that george jones has written a few songs but primarily they just sang songs that were written and when you see their attitude and you see the attitude of someone like willie nelson or merle haggard or tom petty their attitude is different they're just different they're different people they see the world differently. You know, they're highly creative, and they just don't think the same way as people who are just doing a task. They're creating the task. Does that mean? I don't know if that's – it's hard to explain, but I don't think all creative people – I think most creative people are ADD. Well, there's being a songwriter, there's being a musician, and there's being a performer. And those are, th- those are three different things. And I think that latter part is my weak link. The performer part of it. I think I'm a better writer and a better musician than I am a performer. But, you know, that's what I'd say about George Strait or the Eagles. I saw the Eagles and I was like, I never even knew that Timothy B. Schmidt guy was in the band. He's jumping all over the place. And the two guys that are the head of the band, they're just sitting there. I'm like, well, who knew? You got to go see it live to know. Wow, yeah. But, I don't know, that AD thing, it's, it's it's a... it's cost me a lot of like uh, people don't understand. You know, I went to a doctor. I had some health problems. They were real bad. I went to my doctor a couple years ago and he told me these words. This is hard to hear. He said, Rodney, he said, I said, how ADD do you think I am? How much do you think I struggle? He said, when I met you, I thought you were aberrant. I go, you're telling me you thought I had a low IQ. He said, so fucking low, I couldn't believe it until I started listening to what you're saying. And I realized I just don't understand what you're saying. You're not dumb. You're real smart. But you describe it in weird ways. I go, yeah, because I talk like I write. I'll have a 45-word sentence with a semicolon and then the rest of the idea. I don't, period, next idea. My ideas are longer. My The way I present things are more drawn out and more in detail but I was destined to never be a doctor <laughs> although I have the handwriting for it <laughs> musician <laughs> handwriting and doctor handwriting are very similar drink it up there's plenty No millions never enough And one's too many 
down You'll never run out You can drink to your heart's content If you don't drown If you're still thirsty After all you've had to drink Maybe you could sip from another cup After drinking from the well And only then would I give up And walk away And leave the two of you to yourselves I don't think you'll find peace of mind Cause the spirit that you're looking for It's not the bottle kind Stare at the glass Day after day Drink your demons under the table But the devil won't wash away If you're still thirsty After all you've had to drink From another cup If you're still thirsty After drinking from the well Then only then would I give up And walk away Leave the two of you to yourselves And honey mixed with wine It's not from the promised land It's a poisonous vine And today this won't your first You can drink till the Jordan runs dry But you're never gonna quench your thirst If you're still thirsty After all you've had to drink Maybe you could sip from another cup If you're still thirsty After drinking from the well Then only then could I give up And walk away And leave the two of you to yourself If you're still thirsty After drinking from the I don't know. I feel like you know, there's a lot of us out there that are that are kind of uh, dealing with ADD, and there's different levels of it. The thing is, even to date, there's no chart. But I, I was tested years ago, and this man told me, this counselor said, Rodney, he said, there's no real chart. He said, but the charts that we've kind of created that aren't official that we all kind of go by, he said they go up to 17. I go, good. Where am I? He goes, 37. 
Uh-oh. That's what he told me. So you hit all the points? You hit all the points and some of them about new categories. Well, listen. Listen, I'm not going to hide it. I don't know. I don't probably want At that point in my life, the first two minutes I was in his office, he said, listen, can I call an ambulance? I said, no. Told you I was an addict, right? I said, no. He said, why? I said, because I've fought all my life like a dog to get where I am right now, and I'd rather die than step back a foot. And he goes, I don't understand. I said, that's not your issue. I'm just telling you how it's going to be. I'm not going to get an ambulance. He goes, okay. He goes, but if you're going to be my, my uh, I guess, patient or whatever, if you're going to be my client, then we're going to have to have some guidelines, and we're going to have to do some things a certain way, and and all that stuff. But I'll tell you that the man in the first two minutes I was there, the things he said to me saved my life because they were the, the starting point to get the help that I needed. And uh, and one of the things that he told me, I touched on it earlier, is if you have a condition or an ailment or a disease, learn all you can about it. You know, of course, I know that it's crazy if we get the these these books and like, oh, my back hurts. I've got, you know, appendicitis in my back, or whatever. You know, and I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about if you're dying and a doctor says, let me get an ambulance. What he's suggesting is, since I didn't do that, become an expert on my condition, or I would probably succumb to it. Where can our listeners find your work? I'm anywhere online. Um, I'm my predominant. Predominantly, I would tell people go to cdbaby.com, but also, you know, there's uh, all of them, Apple Music, there's uh, uh, Google Play, there's, you know, uh, Spotify, blah, blah, blah. There's 50 or 60 spots that are the very, the most common, you know, um, the ones that everyone has, you know. So just, I would say do a Google search and know the last name is weird to spell. It's two syllables. Uh, P-Y-E-A-T-T. And uh, so it's Piet. And then uh, if you Google that, there'll be some stuff come up. Plus, I have three sons that are musicians, and some of that stuff's going to come up. That's all the questions. So thank you for well, I just sharing say with for having... us today. Thank you. songs I write but I don't give a damn You can make fun of life I live At least I know who I am You can slide my reputation Drag my name through the mud Sometimes I might get stoned But I'm only flesh and blood well, I've seen you steal a working man blind With a twinkle in your eye I've stood right beside you when the 
resolutions and aspirations for this coming year standing here with Matt hey Matt so what do you think this uh, 2021 is gonna look like any thoughts it's gonna be beautiful flying cars and everything do you have any plans for the year I'm gonna get down to 155 and be one sexy individual that's for sure 
Uh, thong weather is coming and we got to do something about the situation. Yes, yes we do. So your prediction is it's going to be beautiful, there'll be flying cars. Oh man, Eric, all kinds of cool stuff. No more nonsense. Amen to that. No more nonsense. No more nonsense. Yeah. That's, yeah, that could be a theme. All right. I uh, thank you much. No, I'm not finished yet. You're not finished yet. Okay. <laughs> you got to fight for your right to party. Ah, yes. We're not going <laughs> to take it anymore. Say no, it with me. Should, we're, we're not, not going to take it. it. Someone should write a song about that. They should. So here I am, and I'm asking Jake, Jake, if he has any uh, thoughts, aspirations, resolutions, or predictions for this coming year. What do you got? I got no resolutions. Just drink good beer, have a good time, and hopefully it's better than this past year. <laughs> That's it. Okay, so here I am with Owen, and he is a bartender and assistant brewer here at Boulder Public. And I'm asking that question, um, if he has any resolutions, aspirations, or predictions for 2021. Awesome. Um, I definitely have, uh, I'm going to start working out a little more for my resolution. Um, get, gotten a little out of shape since COVID and everything started, but, uh, and then predictions, uh, not, I guess not really predictions, but hopes. I hope everything calms down and we can all go back to normal and have a great time. We definitely have some cool projects up, up here at Boulder Public that will be coming along in the new year. Uh, we're going to be doing some barrel aging stuff, getting a bunch of new crazy, fun, bold beers out here. Uh, we just expanded to 14 beers on tap, uh, so that's a good thing. Uh, so a lot more of our beer will be out everywhere. Um, yeah, I just hope it gets better. Okay, and I am standing here with... Hannah. Okay, Hannah, do you, what are your predictions, aspirations, etc. for this year? Uh, my aspirations is to get my doctorate degree at GWU. Wow. And then as far as year-wise, I just hope not to have another 2020. <laughs> it's an awful year. <laughs> um, and then as far as my goals or what I would like to accomplish in 2021 is to just pay my car off and have a baby. Car, baby, degree, yeah. that's Yeah, so. Well. And then I just hope not to repeat 2020. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm hearing that a lot. I think, I think it was big. a drag for everybody. So here we are at Boulder Public and having a, a fabulous time tonight and I'm standing here with Alexis. Okay, so Alexis, do you have any uh, resolutions or predictions for the coming year, for 2021? Any thoughts? I do. So okay. resolutions are the same as I have every year is to lose 10 pounds, which I never do. I usually gain 10 pounds and to read more books. Predictions for 2021, I think that after all the pent up week can I cuss, that we had in 2020, I think that we are all so amped and ready for the apocalypse that this is actually gonna end up being the most lame, boring year ever. And I am so here for it. Amen to that. No news is good news, yeah. I think nothing's gonna happen. It's gonna be a really calm hurricane season. I think that once the vaccine really starts to get rolled out, 
everyone's like the, the, the whole pandemic's just gonna kind of gradually die down by like the late spring it's just gonna be an afterthought people are gonna be scared to travel so like it'll still just be really quiet everywhere you go and like restaurants and like small businesses will like slowly start to boom again by like midsummer and by like this time next fall it's everything's just gonna be the way it's supposed to be and we're all gonna be happy again <laughs> yeah yeah I would like to see some booming I'm businesses. not sure if that's a prediction or like a dream or if I, just, if I say it enough I will I will will it into existence but that's hey. what I'm going for there's a lot to be said for willing things into existence. It's a mindfulness. Yeah. <laughs> Let's Amen go for to it. That. Let's go for it. It's setting my expectations so low. <laughs> but it's really, though, like, after all the we've had over the last year, it's like those such low, low, low expectations are such a high expectation at this point. So I hope I don't set myself up for failure. We could be, like, all grabbing our guns and canned foods by July and just <laughs> hiding in our bunkers. But, you know, I don't think so. I don't. I don't think that... I don't think that the walkers are coming just yet. <laughs> so, well, you know, it beats grabbing toilet paper. I it mean, is right. As long as we have our toilet paper, what else do we need? We can still get local beer. <laughs> what yeah. else is there? Yeah, and we can. And live music. Yeah. <laughs> we need some of that. We need some of that. It's been a shitty year. <laughs> let's, just have, let's just all have good, positive thoughts, and we will make it better. <laughs> just by wanting it. <laughs> Okay, so Martian Folk is still rocking it up, and I am standing here with... Lacey. Hello, Lacey. And we're just asking people... They are, indeed. So what we are wanting to know is if you have any aspirations, resolutions, or predictions for the coming year. I do. Okay, you do. I'm a very... I'm a a girl of perfection. Okay. I'm going to do things... I'm going to do... I'm going to do all the best things. Okay. I'm going to get out there. I'm going to be the best person that I can be. Cool. Seriously. And I love everybody around me. And I, I, it's so nice to be around people that have other uh, goals. And they're all of one being. And it's so good. Yeah. That's me, for and sure. It's, and it's good to be out and enjoy things like this. Yeah. I love yeah. that. The music so, is so beautiful. Yeah. And I love that. And I want to be around people that are have goals and they have um, always thinking about something better. Okay. You know? So, yeah, basically let's focus on the positive and look to something yeah, better. Yeah, let's, okay. al- let's always just keep going, moving forward. Yeah. You can't stop. You can't take anything for granted. For real. Here's a question for you. So what do you think is going to happen this year? Um, I don't care. Okay. I don't care. I'm going to live my life. I don't care what anyone else has to say or what they have to do or what's, what their problem is. Okay. I'm not a political person. Okay. I'm going to um, I'm gonna live my life to the fullest. Okay. I love y'all. Well, y'all okay. are beautiful. Man, people will be whooping out their phone within the next few years and saying, uh, well, I got to go. My drone's going to be outside any minute now. And you hop in and you fly away. So there you have it. A lot of ideas here. But I notice everyone seems to be just clinging to something positive. Looking for a little hope. And we heard that Bold has a lot of good ideas. A lot of plans. 
And I'm guessing they're not the only ones. It's kind of nice that uh, we can be outdoors so we can spread out here. So that, that does help. And I'm noticing that the places that sell food are doing a little bit better too. So, okay, that'll be, that's my prediction. A lot of bars are going to become bars and grills to get around that whole 5150 thing that we have here. And, uh, yeah, food, it doesn't have to be, you know, gourmet cuisine. I mean, you know, <laughs> frozen chicken things and sandwiches are food, too. So I predict there's going to be a lot of deep fryers sold to bars this year. So that'll be fun. Yeah, 2020 was, uh, it was, it was a year. I'm, I'm at a loss. There is no adjective to describe how, <laughs> what 2020 was. It was a thing. I guess I'm with all those people who are just looking toward the positive for 2021. So for Tornado Radio, our aspirations and resolutions are to, well, to help the venues and build audience and to help the audiences know that, hey, there are fun things to do that are that are safe and all right. Because right now we need things like this. We need a little bit of normal and we need some fun. And there's nothing like music for that. And so from all of us at Tornado Radio, I wish you a happy new year and peace be with y'all in 2021. <laughs>